Hi, this is Megan Ball. And this is Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try to find the silver lining or flip it into something that, while possibly not positive, will at least be productive. How are you today, Brock? I just came from an art gallery exhibition slash auction. Okay, that's rad. Tell me all about uh, it. The local major art college is having their end of the year art auction. Uh, And they sent me earlier in the week a gigantic box. I'm going to say it is probably three feet by three feet and about two feet deep. And I was like, is this a child coffin? It was not a child (laughs) coffin. Uh, And inside, bottle of champagne, champagne glasses, uh, a bunch of lobster pinchers uh, as as mitts to go over my hand, uh, a couple of Salvador Dali uh, candles, uh, and some face masks that had Dolly uh, mustaches on them. And I was like, I don't know what any of this is. Turns out that they were like doing art auction tonight. And the theme was this sort of Dolly thing. Uh, and normally over the last year and a half, when I've gotten a bunch of props from someone, it has meant that we're about to do like an hour and a half long Zoom call that's some sort of uh, immersive theater thing. Because like I did a lot of those at the very start of this. There was one that was out of the UK that was like, an immersive theater experience about like a bunch of people going to a party at the end of the world that had little breakout rooms that taught you how to do things like lockpick and whatever. But it was the day of the event that they sent out a list of things that you would need for props for that night. And it was like 90 things long. It was like, you're going to need a lemon. You're going to need this very specific type of screwdriver. You're going to need all this stuff. I remember being like, it's the middle of a pandemic, but I am going to go out and try to get at least 70 of these 90 things. Wow. And it wound up being like one of the most fun nights I had in the whole year. So when I saw all this stuff, I was like, okay, it is what it is. So like we got the lobster pinchers on. We poured the champagne into the new glasses that had lobsters on them. It was like really leaning in. Uh, and then there was a one-minute video of one of the students uh, being like, I am Salvador Dali. Welcome to the show. And then um, all that was up was that every piece of art in the art show, which is helping these kids graduate, and move on to the next phase of their life and also, you know, pay off student debt. It was all just in a web store and you could browse through all of it. And like everyone that was invited to this had 24 hour early access to it. And so the thing that made it worth bringing up that I really love was I just kept flipping through and being like, oh, in the last year and a half, I bought something from her and I bought something from that guy. Like I just over the the last year just got so oddly involved in people that I did not know all went to the same art college that started putting it together. I was like, Oh, I actually own a print of that already. And I was like, when did I become the patron of the arts? Uh, (laughs) I was just like, I'm currently in the middle of this swell of like civic pride where I was like, oh, I I bought something from everybody. I don't really know what to do in this moment, except for anyone that made anything in ceramics, because I don't know fuck all what to do with ceramics. Yeah, right. But I was like, oh, I, I, I don't think there's a year in my life that I could look back to and be like, Think of all the things that I hired people to do in the art world, uh, and and perhaps running a publication helps with that, um, and also being like, I, I can't buy gifts for anyone that isn't like a piece of original art for one of their pets. So like, I don't know. It was a fun thing. Like I was worried it was gonna be a bigger deal, and we we got costumes on, and then it was ten minutes. I was like, good, we will go record a carrying into the void episode. <laughs> this is fine. That sounds like it was awesome though, and I like that it's. You know, you can support kids in art and stuff like that. That's such an important thing to do. I think that's wonderful. 
One of the artists that I, I hired that uh, did my wife's header image on Twitter, which is actually a, a large acrylic painting in our house, uh, which is a, um, a meshing of all of our pets into one uh, Cerberus-type creature. Oh, I know the picture you're talking you, about. That's you know the picture. So That's, the, yeah. That artist drives a car around town that she painted herself and has kept for several years. And it has like wacky teeth in the grill and weird dents on the side. And it's just got <laughs> this crazy personality and it's got its own name. Anyway, the first item up for sale was that car. And I was like, boy, howdy. Oh, wow. If I had seven grand and could fit into that tiny little vehicle, like sure thing, <laughs> here we are. What's the story you have for us today? I am very excited to talk about this because it's actually somewhat topical, believe it or not. Um, I would like to tell you about the history of the Hidden Mothers. Yes, here it is. Oh my God, it's that day. It's that day for Brock and Megan. It's that day in the village. (laughs) Yes. All right. So this is what came to me because Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village has come out. It's it's great. I love Resident Evil games. I'm not good at Resident Evil games. Um, I'm not really good at horror games in general just because I'm very careful in them. And Resident Evil is more of a reactive thing. And I'm, you know, you have to save your bullets and I'm just shooting everything 12 times. And it's just a whole thing. But I love playing them even though I'm terrible at them. Everyone always asks me to like stream games like this or Dead Space or something. I'm like, look, I don't stream because no one wants to see how methodically I search every inch of every room because like the lore is more important to me, but also I need every bullet because I'm very bad at most things. I'm just like, I'm not not fun to watch. I'm not plowing through this in six hours. (laughs) No, I'm checking every drawer. I'm checking, like, I'm I'm crouching down to make sure there's nothing under a table. Like, I'm very thorough. I'm using my knife to hit plates in the hope that there's some sort of award for hitting so many plates. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally that way, too. When they were starting to ramp up a Resident Evil Village... One of the characters struck me, and it's um, Donna Beneviento, and she It's, it's is... not the one that struck everybody else. <laughs> no, it's not the tall vampire lady who also is wonderful. Um, she is incredible and, uh, dare I say, iconic. I think she's going to be the new, like, pyramid head. Like, everyone's going to, like, associate her now with the series. You know, no one's going to care about... Put her in a cart racer. Oh, yeah, put her in games she doesn't belong in long after this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, put her in Smash Brothers. It'll be fine. (laughs) Um, But this is the character who has the uh, porcelain doll in the wedding dress, whose name is Angie. And she's the woman in all black that's holding her. And I, as a Victorian, you know, loving piece of shit, was like, oh my god, I know what this is referencing. And all of my friends are like, what are you talking about? And here's the thing. So we all know the Victorians were fucking weird, right? Like, that's the thing that we all understand. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's circle yeah. back. I'm not sure we've covered that previously with them snorting mummies to get hard, but Yeah, sure. right? <laughs> yeah, the Victorians were special. And one of the things that they were starting to do is photography was starting to become a, a bigger thing in the Victorian era. It was still um, slow. It was still, you know, in its infancy. They didn't really understand how, like, proper camera angles worked they didn't understand how some of the things we take for granted now if we talk about photography but they were starting it they were really one of the the progenitors of photography and they loved it they took photos of everything they could and one of the things that they were really into was portraiture back in the day you used to get like a portrait painted and that was only for people who were of a status that could afford such a thing but nowadays no matter how you know 
how much money you had, you could afford to go and get a picture taken of yourself, your family, and you could keep it for, you know, ever. And for the Victorians who are very obsessed with the idea of, of life after death and of and the memorial of, of a past life, keeping a picture, especially after someone had passed away, was a huge deal to them. So everyone got their picture taken. And one of the things that they were really into was also making sure that you took pictures of your whole family. So babies, toddlers, um, you know, there are pictures of people with their dogs, people with pictures with their horses, like just the whole you know, nine yards. So what they would do is, you know, it, it's just like what you'd have a problem with in like the Sears photo studio your parents dragged you to in like 1986. You would have to be like sat there and you're, uh, you know, you're three years old, you're wiggling, you're, you know, freaking out, you're crying. And so what the Victorians answer to this was, is they'd like, well, why don't we just have their mother there and they're hold, they'll hold the child and we'll just like toss a blanket over her head so no one knows she's there. Great freaking strategy, guys. A plus work. Everyone showed up and had their A game that day. So what they would do is we have a lot of photography of what we call hidden mothers. And there are all these people, mostly women. Sometimes they were the, the, you know, the assistant that day or like a lady's maid or something like that. But they're most likely a woman sitting in a chair or standing behind the chair. And they're covered in a black shroud or they're covered in like a blanket or they're covered in like a curtain. There's there's not a one of them that doesn't look like the lady of the lake has emerged uh, from the ether to come claim the child, which, which makes it so much funnier that they're there to like actually keep the kid calm. It's like children, they love horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't really know. They didn't know what to do. And I mean, this was a valid strategy, I guess. But all of these pictures look horrifying. They all look like something you would find in like a found you know, horror movie where, you know, you're going through an old house and you find like a, you know, an album with these in it. And you're just like, oh, no, that's the woman we saw in the mirror or whatever. They're called hidden mothers. Yeah. Hidden mothers because they're, yeah, they're hidden mothers. <laughs> because that, that is what they are. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so the, the whole deal with it is, is that they were, um, some are more successful than others. Some of them are, like, literally a woman who's got, like, a tea towel over her head, and you can clearly see, like, the bodice of her dress and everything. And then some of them are completely covered. And those are the ones that look, like, the most eerie. And a lot of Victorian photography looks, like, serious and kind of joyless because you had to sit so long to get the picture to come out. I think it was something like 30... I think it was, like, 120 to 60 seconds you had to sit there. And then by the end of the Victorian era, at the start of the Edwardian era, it was about 30 seconds. But you're sitting there for a pretty long time. And most of the people, that's why a lot of people in Victorian photos are not smiling. It's because you were just standing still for that long. And this is not like you get 86 chances to take a selfie to put on Instagram. This is one shot and you're done. So if you're, like, Blurry, you're going to be blurry for the rest of history. This is how your family's going to remember you. They're going to remember you as a blurry person. That's how you so, reign in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that adds an air to these photos of being kind of extra creepy because the children are not smiling. Um, so what makes this kind of more creepy um, than some of the other type of Victorian photography we have is that sometimes it's a hidden mother holding a dead child. And what happened often in Victorian life is that sometimes people passed away before they were able to have their picture taken, especially young children. So we have a lot of Victorian memorial photography where they would, you know, 
prop someone up, have them either like sitting or like leaning on a couch or whatever, and they're dead. These are people who have passed away. And um, they're taking a photo of them because a photo of someone who's passed away is still better than no photo at all. Or at least it was the, you know, Victorians. So sometimes you can't really tell if these children are alive or sometimes that they're not. Now, in some of them, the child is, you know, eyes are open, they're, you know, their hand is blurry because they're waving it around. And other times it's a baby who's just laying there really, really still. And you really can't tell and they're being held by a woman who's in a long black shroud and it is just like if if you didn't know what you were looking at if someone showed that you that picture you would think it came from a video game like say resident evil you know it's that kind of creepy um it's got an air to it where it just you look at it and it's unsettling there's one of my favorite pictures actually and you can find this online if you just type in, like, Hidden Mothers. There is a woman who's dressed in a white gown holding a young child with curls in their hair. And there's a curtain draped over her head in such a way that it really sort of looks like she's Pyramid Head. Good. It's so good. <laughs> and I've been waiting for a horror movie or something like that to take this and run with it because it's such an underrated, creepy type of photography and so when I started seeing the trailers for Resident Evil 8, I nearly threw my phone across the room because I was like, it's a hidden mother. <laughs> I was like, this woman, this character is a hidden mother. You know, the doll is held in the way that the child would usually be held in. She's wearing the same kind of black morning shroud the person would be in. Like, it's pitch perfect. Like, in the trailer, there's, like, um, photos of all the um, four main lords of the, the village or whatever. And the one of... Beneviento is literally the black woman holding the child on her lap and the child is the doll and I like shrieked I was like oh my god someone's finally done it someone finally took these creepy photos and used it in a horror type of situation and I could not be more excited because there's so much creepy stuff in Victorian photography it's an untapped kind of medium I guess like like, I know folk horror is coming back nowadays with, like, Midsummer and stuff like that. Like, I feel like there's kind of a resurgence of that. But I would like to see, like, more of a Victorian type of, like, Resident Evil-y type of horror coming back, too. And I feel like we might be getting that at some point. Because we sure as hell is not getting another Silent Hill. So we better put all of our hopes in with Resident Evil. Damn it, Megan. What's your carrying into the void? All right. The carrying for the void today is, do you feel hidden unnoticed, invisible. Sometimes that isn't a bad thing. Sometimes that helps your legend grow even larger. Being unseen has advantages, and you can do so much while hidden in the shadows. Embrace being unperceived. Relish in existing only for you, unburdened by the judging eyes of others. Little do they know how important you are, how you control everything behind the scenes. You do not have to stand under a spotlight to be the most important person in a room. Keep them guessing as you pull the strings out of sight until it is too late, until they cannot stop you. They'll never see it coming, and their screams will let you know that it's working. So I'm really glad I could bring this to, to the Carried Into the Void family because Victorian weirdness is one of my favorite things, and I really like horror video games and Resident Evil, so this seemed like a perfect marriage of the two. So what horrifying thing have you brought me today? 
Uh, I spoiled the surprise on this one, but we're going to talk about Vlad's vaccine today. Uh, and that is that uh, the news is out of uh, Romania that uh, visitors to Dracula's castle are getting a free COVID-19 vaccine right now. Hell yeah! <laughs> if you show up at the castle that is rumored to be uh, Vlad's fortress that, uh, that Dracula is based on, uh, medics will give you a Pfizer shot to enter the 14th century Bran Castle in central Romania, and then you get in for free for the rest of the year. Uh, so <laughs> there's a mix of this that they were like, well, a lot of people locally are dying. The country has done very bad at vaccinating people. Uh, and people uh, locally are not inclined to get it. Uh, but also, uh, there's 52 medieval torture instruments inside, and uh, tourism has been low. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they were like, let's uh, let's do this. Like, uh, free, you get in for free, but you also get a shot. And I, I just have to think that this means the entire profit margin now relies on everyone must buy something from the gift shop, because, like, that's a, that's a double whammy to them. It is so funny because, like, I, I, I had such a hard reaction to this where I was like, we have fallen so far through the earth and into hell that one of the safest places in the world to visit right now might be Dracula's castle. Like, that is <laughs> how far we've gone. Or he wants us to think that. <laughs> like, the, he liked, look, these tourism numbers are down. I can't possibly sustain on, like, five, ten people a day. Also, like, yeah. who knows where they've been? Like, let's make sure we clean that up and then then send them my way. So, like, I don't know. I will, I will take absolutely any gimmick that anyone has to do the right thing here. And, like, I would like to think that, you know, it would be a, it would be a pretty sweet reward for that. Like, in, in America right now, the award is like, hey, this place will give you free French fries for a week. It's not the same as you get Dracula's castle, you know, for the day. No, no. If I had my choice, I would definitely go the Dracula's castle route. I sit in the group chat. That I was like, oh yeah, Castlevania season four looks lit, and you lost it. <laughs> yeah, I was very upset that I didn't start there. Anyway, staring uh, <laughs> into the void for this week is—it flows through you, and you can feel it. I can hear it. We can almost all see it. Sometimes we even do. Life pours like an avalanche coming down a mountain, through all the twists and turns of your channels, and sometimes the red turns to blue, and sometimes the red turns to black. No one can see it, but the tiny fractions will seep in. The microchip can be compromised. You have to turn to those you trust and turn towards the best path forward. On rare occasions, that path takes you through the haunted wood, up the mountain, and into the heart of darkness. Your instincts won't betray you, but the darkness of others and their fear might. Follow your guiding light, even if that light may once have been the bug zapper of humanity. Besides, he's no match for you. And even if he is, believe me, your cup runneth over. <laughs> Such a good job. <laughs> that was really good. What have you been doing for self-caring this week? Um, all right. So this is going to come off as really, really nerdy, and that's fine. Yes. But yes. Uh, I've been getting back into tabletop games. I have a, a a game I've been playing with some friends of mine where it's Blaze in the Dark, which is like a kind of Victorian crime simulator, and it's fabulous, and we are the worst criminals you've ever seen. Sorry, what part of this was supposed to come off as horny or dirty? <laughs> No, no, trust me. Oh, we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> and another friend of mine invited me into their new D&D campaign. And I was like, hell yeah. And I was like, okay, this time I'm not going to be a cliche. This time I'm going to play something that I don't play. Because I usually play bards because I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> I know who I am, Brock. I, I know who I am. If you give me a character that can have, like, magical, like, music powers, I'm there. I'm such a, I'm such a cliche. 
But um, anyway, this time I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to do something interesting. And then I ended up making a necromancer who burns churches. So I failed utterly in that completely. But I'm really looking forward to playing that as well. I've been watching Critical Role again. I'm trying to catch up. It's on episode 140-something. I'm on episode 50. So (laughs) doing great. And there's an English um, people who play Dungeons & Dragons as well called the Oxventurers. And it's funnier because it's English. So (laughs) I've just been, like, really getting back into, like... Just like nice nerdy things, you know, you nothing were just like. Born in the wrong country and the wrong century, weren't you? Like you would have done so well in Victorian England. Like it, it, everything you bring up here is about like I should be there. I've heard people say that, but you know, also in like in Victorian England, I would have been sent to like a sanitarium so goddamn fast. Like you know, you, you can say what you want about like Victorian era or other eras in history. Like oh, I, I would have done so well, or I would like to visit there. But no, we have running water here. We have modern medicine. Um, I don't have to like marry some dude when I'm 15. I'm doing great. You know, I I would like to visit for like a week in like Victorian London and then go home because Victorian London is horrifying. If you really think about it, their food was bad. The clothing could kill you. They had poisonous wallpaper. Everything was bad. <laughs> um, what have you been doing for self-care? Uh, so my, my self-care and, and my lifting uh, of, of the pop culture thing this week uh, blend into the two. Uh, and, and that is this. Uh, it is that our, uh, our local alt um, publicly sponsored radio station, 909 The Bridge, <laughs> today reconfigured their entire programming and they called it Sound Minds. And what they did is that from 5 a.m. this morning until the middle of the night tonight, all they are running is people writing in uh, emails with their um, a song and a story about uh, their mental health and a time that that song helped them through something or was there when they went through a tough time uh, or taught them something about themselves. And they're just reading the stories and playing the songs all day long. And they partnered with a local nonprofit um, for mental health. Actually, a couple of them, like a hotline, a group, a volunteer organization, all this stuff. And they keep having specialists and famous people from the city on it is one of the coolest things i've ever seen come together and uh that's fantastic at the office today i was like demanding that everyone that worked there send in something and then we all just wound up sending in like three or four and we were like yeah i can't really narrow it down to one song but here's a story about another thing but um it was a it was a pleasant reminder of a thing that i am reminded of every once in a while and that is that um mental health is vastly improved for people around you uh, much like sunning or watering a plant, by using your platform. And that is one of the reasons this show exists. But I, I, a thing that I think gets lost in the mix on that is that uh, you have a platform. Uh, everyone has platforms. And I think when we talk about platforms in the modern era, uh, a lot of people think like, well, you must be a blue check mark with 20,000 followers or something. No, if you have 10 followers, you have a platform. If you have three friends, you have a platform. If you have coworkers, you have a platform. Sometimes just casually like mentioning like, oh, I'm having a hard time or like this is how I got through a thing is actually just enough to help somebody else out. So I've been watching this thing happen today for hundreds of thousands of listeners around the city and writing stories about it at, at our publication that's getting to tens of thousands of people. But then also remembering like, we do this show and how many people reach out uh, from this and like how many times I've just been in like a small group with like three people and said something and everyone involved 
later said, hey, I accidentally got something out of that that helped out. Uh, it, it, is, it is one of those things that is almost impossible to see. It's not like volunteering at a food kitchen and being like, I handed out this many bowls of soup or something. It is, it is one of those behind-the-scenes volunteer, do-good-for-humanity things that is, is impossible to trace until much, much later. Uh, and it made me very thankful for this thing that you and I and Jordan make together uh, and for so many other things that we do and for uh, even some of our shit posts online or self-dubs. But um, <laughs> it was a reminder that like really anyone can do what this is and, and have an impact from it being one person to uh, whatever you've got in front of you. And it, it never has to be completely oblique from the start. You can just be a human being and sometimes that's enough. So... I don't know that that filled my heart today, and I wanted to lift up like both the concept of music, but also just the idea like, and it can even be internal. Sometimes just writing things down for yourself is more than enough to self-examine and be like, oh, found something there, or wow, I, I think I can move past that thing. But it's it is so rewarding to do even a fraction of something for somebody else, and maybe you never hear, and maybe you just feel it in your heart, or maybe you just hope. I don't know. That uh, that really inspired me coming into us to recording today, and I was like, cool. I like That's seeing other so people cool. do what matters to us. And, you know, it's funny, because the, the second you said that about songs and, and stories, I immediately thought of the one song I've been thinking about all pandemic. And it's amazing how music and everything like that really starts to be like a way marker in your life. You know, you can think about this song meant a thing to you, and it goes with a story. That is so cool that that radio station's doing that. Right. I'm, I'm like bowled over. That's really cool. Yeah, I've been, I've just been emailing the people I know there all day to be like, oh my god, what have you done to me? Because also I'm, I've been driving yeah. a lot and like keep, keep starting crying when I hear somebody else's story. I'm like, I need to go Aww. back to therapy as quickly as possible, but also like that's nice and makes me feel better. So I don't know. I'll never forget that this person's story uh, correlates with that song, which is also just great to hear like a big radio station askew all modern hits or local indie stuff and just be like, we're doing a whole day of whatever matters to somebody else, even if it wasn't for mental health, just to be like, you program the day and tell us why you like a song is already enough to, I think, fill most people's hearts and unscrew some people. So I don't know. It feels real good. <laughs> yeah. And also it just tells you how important like local radio and stuff is. I don't think people think about local radio that often. Down here in Jersey, we have WSOU, which is the Seton Hall uh, radio station. Sure. And they, they are currently being, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're currently being um, attacked by a bunch of local Catholics because they play, you know, black metal and they're a religious university. And I think that's so funny. But they also want to get the station, you know, they want the plug pulled on it. And I'm like, I'm ready to go like Empire Records on these people. <laughs> you know, local radio is important. And it's 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 another indie thing in a world of iHeartRadio where everything's become like a corporate 100 playlist that everyone hears on one side of the country to the next. So, I mean, I think this is just a really wonderful example of why indie stuff and not corporate stuff is important. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. That is wonderful. I love the idea that you want to occupy the Catholic diocese and go full It's Rex Manning Day on them. I totally do. I mean, I don't know if Empire Records is really formulative when I was a child. And I'm like, yeah, damn the man. Save the Empire Records. I don't know. I watched that movie a lot when I was a child. <laughs> What is your uh, pop culture lift up for the week? Um, I wanted to lift up um, two comic series I've been reading recently. I've been slowly getting back into uh, reading weekly comics, um, mostly indies. I've never really been like a superhero type of person. 
But there's a fantastic new series called Homesick Pilots, which is a really like gritty, like cool, like stylistic, like punk type of thing. It, it makes me think of old churches music videos, if that makes any yes. sense. Um, it takes place in the 90s with a high school punk band whose members start to slowly go missing. And it's got a sinister haunted house, which traps them inside and starts to like try trying to collect things around the city. It's way more than I can tell you in this little, you know, 15 second soundbite, but definitely go and check it out. It is incredible. And the art is beautiful. The other one I wanted to lift up is called The Final Girls. It's free on Comixology. And it's written by my friend Sally Cantorino. I mean, it's drawn by my friend Sally Cantorino. It's written by Kara Ellis and Kara Ellison. Oh, rad! So yeah, look, look at us. We know people who do cool things. We're we're lucky people to have wonderful friends. Uh, yeah, Final Girls is amazing. The writing is angry and sharp and on point. The art is stunning and energetic and frantic. The colors are great. Like everyone brought their A game to this comic series. And I cannot recommend it more highly. It is just an absolutely fantastic series. And I hope they do more with it. It's it's six volumes. It's, you know, complete as of right now. And I loved it to pieces. I thought the story was incredible. The characters were just everything about this was great. I want to see like an HBO Max TV show. You know, like I want everything. Um, so, yeah, I just I was just head over heels, like over the moon about it. Well, why don't you take us out on this one? Okay. And remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we'll see you next time in the void. Bye. Bye.